Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Online learning is not the result of COVID-19. At least not for Insight School of Washington. Since long before the pandemic, ISWA has used a quality curriculum that supports students and the learning styles that work best for them. With Washington certified teachers, a plethora of career-focused electives, virtual activities and clubs, the opportunity to earn college credits while still in high school, and a flexible learning schedule suited to your students' needs, Insight meets your students where they are in their education journey to help them succeed. Don't wait. Enrollment closes soon. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. There are plenty of YouTubers who at 500,000 subscribers will still make clunkers and you almost never do. Never. Why does that happen to some people? Why doesn't it happen to you? The reason why is because it is literally impossible for me to like be selfish and make the thing that I want to make. That was Finn McKenty. He's the creator behind the YouTube channel Punk Rock MBA which has over 500,000 subscribers. There's something incredibly unique about Finn that makes him one of the top creators on the platform. And that is that every video is a banger. Look, I do a lot of creator research and most YouTubers with 500,000 subs make plenty of videos that get under 10,000 views, not Finn. Every single video he makes goes viral. And it's not just on YouTube. He does the same thing on Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. So I had to have him on the pod to ask him about it. He told me his incredibly simple secret. And he also told me how he grew an audience of over 500,000 people in a niche where he had no authority, how to avoid burnout as a creator, how he makes money, and the biggest opportunities he sees for content creators to make money. Here's my conversation with Finn McKenty. Finn McKenty, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. What, why do people care so much about what you have to say? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> uh, right, let's get into it. Uh, yeah. you're, just a, you're just a regular guy, you know? Like why, yeah. why do, why do 500,000 people subscribe to you on YouTube and listen to what you have to say? I asked that I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I, the thing is, I don't know that they actually do care that much about what I have to say. Um, I think that they are here to learn about someone else that they care about. So my videos, for anybody who hasn't seen them, you know, I'll do like the history of Lincoln Park or something like that. Um, I don't think anybody, I mean, I shouldn't say anybody, because at this point, some people are, but 
yeah. people are showing up more for Lincoln Park than they are for me. Um, and I think that that's an important thing for people to, to keep in mind as a creator. It can be a little bit of a blow to the ego. And, and for some people, they are here for you. You know, like if you're, I don't know, whatever, um, yeah. Mr. Beast or, you know, fill in the blank, charismatic person, they are here for, here for you. And, and I guess there are some people that are there for me. But especially in the beginning, you know, nobody necessarily is going to care about you in the beginning. And so, you know, having the humility to recognize that and, you know, step out of the way, I think would save a lot of people a lot of frustration. Yeah, I call them relational creators, people who start out as, uh, like, Emma Chamberlain is a great yeah, example. Yeah, perfect like, example. Yep. All, all she ever did was just try and connect with people. And, yeah. Um, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard to get traction and grow that way. If Once you, you do, grow that way, you're bullish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You can do it. Yes. And, and people will, will be into it. Um, yep. but, but very hard to get early traction. I'm not that person. Um, that way I, I one thing I think is really interesting about your channel um, that we can speak to a little bit and then uh, in a second maybe I'll get I'll have you kind of get into the early days how you started this how you got traction sure um, and grew but one thing that I think is interesting about your channel where it's at now is you have around 500,000 subscribers on what I would call your main channel yeah um, the the punk the is it punk rock MBA I just yeah and then yes, I have another channel MBA. which is just my own name and I have like 130,000 or something on that Right, and then you've got like so. Yeah, I mean, you've actually your Twitch streams are pretty big, honestly. Uh, you're, you're like so. Not bad. You've got you know a good audience everywhere. One of the things that I noticed that's really significant about your main channel at five hundred thousand subscribers is there are plenty of YouTubers who at five hundred thousand subscribers will still make clunkers. They're, yeah. They'll still make videos that get under ten thousand views, yeah. and you almost never do. Never. Uh, how? Yeah. How? Like? How does that happen? Why is why does that happen to some people? Why doesn't it happen to you? Um, the reason why is because, you know, my background is in product design and marketing, and I, I can't think of the world in any other way than to ask what product do people want and how do I make it for them? Like, I, it is literally impossible for me to, like, be selfish and make the thing that I want to make regardless of whether other people care about it or not. And I'm not saying like, I respect people who do think about it that way. Um, because I think a lot of those time, a lot of those people make better content than I do, if I'm being honest, but that's just not how I look at the world. You know, my job, you know, is like, uh, you know, it's like if, if you're running an e-com store, it's like, well, nobody wants orange shirts. It's like white Navy and gray are the ones that sell. So I'm not going to like try to force you to buy this orange shirt. If you want Navy shirts, I'm going to sell you Navy shirts. So yeah. that's the way I think about my content too, which I understand, you know, some people find that off-putting because like, I just wouldn't consider myself like necessarily a, 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 a pure creator in, in, in that sense. But I don't have clunkers because I always put the audience first. It's about them, not me. Yeah. I think that's, it's like, uh, I, I think a lot of real like creative creators, and I'm not saying you're not creative. You're, you're a creative guy. Uh, there like, are many people who are far more creative than me. The, yeah, and, and the ones who are like very creative creators, oftentimes they get in this, uh, you know, I've heard it called the golden hamster wheel where they yeah. have some kind of content that really hits and or some topic that they talked about that really hits. People like it when they talk about that. And now they can't create anything else that, you know, they can't create content about anything else that they're interested yeah. in or nobody will watch it. It's like kind of everyone. Yeah, that happens to everybody. Audience. 
Yeah. And, and, and where you're at with it is you're just like, okay, so I'll just talk about the thing that people want to hear. Like why? Yeah. I have no problem. I have no problem with that at all. Like if I, if I could reliably like mine the same content for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. Like, I don't have a desire to like, you know, express some sort of creativity in the way that a lot of people do, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I mean, I think for a while, your second channel, Finn, the, just the Finn McKenty yeah. channel. It was supposed to be that. You were trying to create yeah. content around stuff you were more interested in. Right. Uh, it got some views, but not, not it a did ton, okay. probably not yeah. a, ton, a ton of traction. So now it's sort of turned into uh, kind of highlight clips from your Twitch stream. It yep. seems like the Yep. Summer. And if you, were to, if you were to look at the graph, I wish I could um, show it here, but if you were to look at the graph, I started that channel in 2018, I think. And if you were to look at that graph now, I think in total that channel has... I don't know, 25 million views or something now. Um, And for the first like three years in total, it had maybe a million views, just like little blips. And then as soon as I switched to that, just blows up, does almost like around a million views a month now, which I mean, I consider pretty good. Obviously there's bigger channels than that, but for, especially for a Twitch highlights channel, a million views a month, I'm happy with that. Um, Yeah, that's, that's really solid for a Twitch highlights channel. Yeah. So to me, it's just like, it's very clear that when you, when you're making the content that your audience wants, you'll know it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're not making the, yeah, you'll, it'll be obvious. And when you're trying to force it and it's exactly, I've seen the same thing. I talked to people so many times that are trying to force it. And it's like, you know, you can keep forcing it and maybe someday it will work, but, um, I think you got to just sort of respect it and listen, respect the audience and listen to them. Like they're not into it. Companies need great benefits to attract and retain great employees. Enter King County Metro's ORCA business programs. Transit benefits are flexible and can be used for any transit trip for commuting to work life or exploring in life life. Ask your employer to add flexible transit benefits. With ORCA business programs, you can plan or be spontaneous, travel on any transit system in the region, relax and leave the driving and sailing to them. Orca Business Programs, your commute is just the start. Learn more at kingcounty.gov slash metrobusiness. Where leaders go, learning follows. At Harvard Business School, we offer in-person and virtual executive education programs on a broad range of business topics. This is where the brightest minds in business come together. Add your unique voice to an exceptional peer group. Come learn from others' diverse perspectives and from our world-class faculty. It's your time. Go. To apply, visit hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. So I guess along that line, how important do you think it is for people to be like careful and intentional? How important do you think it is for people to be careful and intentional about choosing their niche and choosing what they're going to create content about in the first place? Well, to be honest, I think it's kind of a fantasy to think that you can, um, Mm -hmm. like you should try, but almost inevitably it's going to be something different than what you thought it was going to be. So like, you should try, like, don't sign up for something that you like absolutely hate or whatever, because you should always ask yourself like, well, what if this did take off, you know, um, don't make videos, you know, stabbing yourself in the eye with a pencil unless, (laughs) you know, you want to do more of those. Um, To all you challenge YouTubers out there. <laughs> right. Right. Um, like, 
But, I mean, I'm sure every creator has experienced this. If you've had anything that kind of ended up becoming successful, you're kind of always like, really, that one? Like, you guys yeah. like that one? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, like, you should think about it, um, especially if um, if if the content you're making is – well, here's – here's okay, so I, I guess it depends. Um, if your goal is to just – make money from AdSense and brand deals and stuff like that, which basically the goal there is to get as many views as possible. In that case, I would say just sort of try shit and go with what works. Um, in that case, I think you sort of like kind of just got to go with it. Um, yeah. However, if the content you're making is supporting some other business, I think it's a little bit of a different answer because, you know, for right. example, if you're here to support, you know, if, if the goal of the channel is to get more people to go to your sandwich shop, well, it wouldn't ve wouldn't make very much sense to make videos about, you know, classic cars. Right. Um, in, in that sense, it does need to ladder up to something else. But if you just want to be a YouTuber, then I think if you find something that works, triple down on that shit because it's hard as fuck to find something that works in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I think it, you got it. There's this continuum between like the kind of creator who's like really, and this is how I would categorize you, um, the kind of creator who's m really more of a media company. Yeah. Right. You're just like, I'm here to get, you know, as many views as I can uh, and, and, you know, monetize those as best as I can. And uh, I will do that, you know, talking about the topic that my audience wants to hear about. Yep. Um, I'll do that by continuing to create the content I got traction creating. Yep. Uh, and then there's like, the mega creative creator and this is the the interesting thing about this is that you create content about music and i think a lot of musicians are this one right where yes. they're like the, they're like this like almost like uh like tortured creative that like must love the work you know yes. in and, of, and, and think it's valid themselves and you know will like go into depressions about it if people <laughs> listen to it but they hated it you know and yeah. uh and so you got, I, I, I think self-identity is important, right? If it, if it's your job and you're doing it for some sort of company, then yeah, obviously it has to ladder up to the company. You have to serve the purpose. Um, but if it's just you trying to make it as a creator, it's probably a good idea to like identify where you are on that continuum. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you well, can't, you I don't like, think it can change that either. Like you yeah. are who you are. You just got to respect that. Yep. Yeah. And so if you are that person who, you know, is, is going to like, you're just not going to keep doing it if it's not something you don't love. Yeah. then yeah you're gonna have to go through the grind of like getting no views on content yep. that you like making for a long 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 time and then over time you'll grow an audience little by little and yep. uh if you're if you're like i want views and i want to do it as as efficiently as possible then you're a media company um yep. you just got to be cool with creating content that you don't love create processes around it that will make the content consistent yeah i mean at the end of the day i mean i it's just the way my brain works. I'm not saying this is good or bad. I don't really want to do anything unless it makes money. I'm like, yeah. that's just my brain. So <laughs> like, to me, it's like, sure, there's a million videos I would like to make, but why would I spend time on that if it's not going to make money? Like, I just would yeah. never do that. Yeah. Like it might be fun once, you know, but like, yeah. I wouldn't keep doing it even. You right. Know? I just would never do that. That's just me. Yeah, I hear you. So I want to go back to the original question um, yeah. and, and hit on this and say, like, what is it about you? I mean, certainly, I think uh, creating with the audience in mind, like you started with the audience, which is like, 
I don't care if you're an entrepreneur. I don't care if you're a creator. If you're trying to put anything out in the world, like you got to stop thinking about yourself. You got to stop thinking about the product and you got to just start thinking about the audience and the yep. audience only. And if you don't know the audience, then you got to talk to them and get and yep. be plugged in and just be like immerse yourself in them until you just know what they exactly. want. Yep. Um, so that's part one. But part two is I do think there is plenty of people who I do think there are plenty of creators who do that and don't gain the traction. Yeah. Um, because you know maybe they are one of those audience people maybe there's there's probably a lot of creators in your same niche in music who like really are one of those audience members that watch every one of your videos but their channel can't get any traction why like what you know what else what's the other ingredient there that like people maybe don't know about well i think with regard to youtube specifically i think topic selection is probably like 80 percent of it unless you're one of these personality what do you call them like relational creators unless you're one of those yeah. people i think topic is probably like 80 percent of the the battle um and for me before i ever made a youtube video i started out making fanzines which is if anyone's not familiar that's basically like a do it do it yourself magazine type thing that people made mm -hmm. back in the day like photocopied little magazines yeah. I started out making those. I started in, I think, 93 when I was like 14 or something like that. That was a 90s thing. Yeah. 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 And I sold thousands of those through the mail when I was like a teenager in the 90s. Oh, that's um, okay. Which yeah. in hindsight is actually kind of harder. Like, I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah. Um, no, that's, I mean, what, now that you said that, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that you have a 500,000 subscriber YouTube channel because. Yeah, exactly. So I started doing that. sold content. Like yeah, exactly. Pay. I got when I was like 16 years old, you know, people would send me three dollars cash in the mail from like Finland. And, you know, I would go to the post office every week when I'm like in 10th grade mailing these things to, you know, every fucking corner of the world, um, which in hindsight, I'm like kind of amazed that I did that. Um, yeah. But so I did that. And then after that, after, you know, fanzines kind of stopped being the way like my whole thing is, you know, kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about. I've always just thought, well, I, I want to be wherever the attention is, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I'm indifferent to to the medium. Um, after fanzines sort of stopped being the the thing, I blogged for a while um, and had some reasonably popular blogs. You know, I don't remember mm -hmm. the numbers, but tens or hundreds of thousands of you know monthly uniques at whatever point. And I wrote for a bunch of pretty popular. Um, metal websites for example there's one called metal sucks that's pretty big i wrote for them and mm -hmm. so uh, and i was the most popular writer on there and that's one of the bigger sites in metal so before i ever made a single youtube video i already knew like very intimately like you're talking about i knew exactly what kind of topics and artists and stuff people care about yeah uh, it was like crystal clear to me like okay i know here's a list of like a hundred artists that I know people are super engaged with, which is not yeah. in, in, in it's, it's a, not, you were a big time subject matter expert on this topic. Super, 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 super deep. Also, I grew up, you know, with a lot of these people, like some of the people in these, you know, bands that mm. people care about. I went to shows with them 30 years ago or something like that. You know, I've known some of them since I was like a teenager. So I, I either like have personal access to them or at least like know a lot about their history and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to uh, like approach this with, I think, a level of authority that maybe other people might not have. And like we were talking about earlier, I think a lot of people 
And and to me, like I, I don't like value that very highly because it's just like, well, I don't know. I was just in a room with this guy twenty five yeah. years ago. Like it's not a big deal. Like I don't think it makes me cool or something. Um, but and I think people tend to like undervalue their own expertise because it's just so familiar to them. You yeah. know, so you might not think it's very cool that you know everything there is to know about whatever, like I don't know, landscaping. Um, mm -hmm. But other people probably do think it's cool. Like I, I real, I saw the other day. There's two the different lawn mowing cha channels. Yes, there's the two channels about channels fucking are... about wasps. There's <laughs> one guy. He, he's called like Yellow Jacket Expert, I think. Yeah, and then yeah. there's another guy that talks about wasps. And um, and there's probably more, but I just, and both of them get like, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of views on their videos. And like, what an insanely tiny niche but the point is like people respond to that kind of and i don't give a shit about yellow jackets but i'll watch that guy's videos all day long you know people yeah. respond to like deep subject matter expertise even if they don't care about the thing i hear that from a lot of people of like i don't even care about the bands i've never even heard of most of these bands that you talk about but i watch yeah. all your videos just because you know so much about it yeah so i okay so here's a common theme that i have Hold up, and, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight this as a very important like emphasis point of this of this podcast for anyone who's a creator trying to grow an audience, trying to get bigger. Uh, this is something that's common with every single big creator I've ever talked to, uh, and they have different viewpoints on a lot of things, like whether you should love the content or what your relationship yeah. would should be with it. But one viewpoint that they all share, or one common area, commonality of all of their stories is that there's almost always some kind of competitive advantage that they had around the content, you know, when they started. So when they got traction, they had some competitive advantage around that content, right? So talk to a, a YouTuber who's got a million subscribers, does a lot of sort of challenge videos, stunt videos. His early content was action sports. He was a professional scooter rider. He's really good. Like when you watch right, the videos, right. it's like, holy crap. I mean, you kind of make fun of it because it's scooters, but he's incredibly but you, good. You got to respect it. When anybody's that good yeah. at anything, even if it's something that's not that cool, you got to respect it. Right. So what did he do? He used his really good scooter rider. Like, why don't we put that on YouTube? Right. Um, you, did you grow up in Seattle? Yeah. Well, yeah, Seattle, you, Seattle area. Yeah. Yeah. You, you grew up in the Seattle area where in the 80s and 90s. Yep. where like that was that was music at that time right like the kind well, of music you, 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 you would about, think so it actually was a really crappy area for music um but yeah i, I get your point yeah okay all right well i mean i was, uh, I, was I, I well to, so i actually <laughs> had to really that, but, you know. well so i actually um this is this is actually i think a really good point is like I didn't grow up somewhere that had like a cool music scene, at least not okay. one that was accessible to me. So if you're thinking about, you know, grunge and all that stuff, like almost all those shows were 21 and over. So mm -hmm. I couldn't even go to them if I wanted to. Plus like Seattle has always kind of sucked for music because it's often like this little corner of the country. So a lot of bands yeah. don't go through there and to live here is extremely expensive now. Mm -hmm. Like it's, kind of about as expensive as like LA. So there aren't that many yeah. musicians here. And so I had to really seek this stuff out. Um, yeah. Like on whatever random local access TV programs and buying magazines, you know, Tower Records. And like, I really had to seek this stuff out. And the reason I mention this is because, you know, 
you can kind of create your own competitive advantage in a lot of ways. Like I didn't mm-hmm. grow up somewhere that like I didn't grow up in like Orange County or something like that where like, oh my you know, the guy that lived across the street from me ended up being Goldfinger or something. Mm-hmm. Like I had to really seek this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean so so through essentially doing your fanzines everything you yeah. became connected to some some of the people yeah. who were like were the artists and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like when I was 15 it, or 14, the first of, yeah. I had to kind of brute force it. When I was like 14 mm-hmm. or 15 years old, there was this band I really liked. They were not a big band, but um basically I was into this sort of one particular subgenre of punk that like nobody wrote about like at all. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do it because I want to know about this stuff. And so I on the record there was like a, an address, you know, where you could write them a letter. And I wrote him a letter and I was like, hey, you know, I'm 15 years old. I have this fancy and do you want to do an interview? And he wrote me back a letter, you know, in the mail, not an email. Um, you know, like two weeks later, I get a, a letter that's like, yeah, uh, you know, here's my phone number. Call me. We'll do whatever you want. And that's how I did my first interview. And when I do podcasts now, by the way, it's the same thing. Only I DM mm-hmm. him instead of writing him a letter. So, you know, um, uh, to your point earlier, like I've been putting in the reps for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, and so, so yeah, I mean, kind of back to what you were saying, everybody has some set of like skills and experience that makes them at least above average in some. Yes. Um, I've talked about this concept before on the, ch- on the, on, on this show of like, uh, a lot of kids nowadays want to be YouTubers and it's like the best way to be a YouTuber is to start building some sort of competitive advantage in some form of content. Right. And yep. sometimes it is YouTube. Jimmy Donald, Mr. Beast's competitive advantage is that he knows more about YouTube than any human on the planet, probably yep. even than the people at YouTube, um, yep. right? So there's a competitive advantage. But also, he got that by doing videos for like 10 years, like every day, you know? Yep, um, they got 72 views. Yeah, exactly. Just clunkers after clunkers after yep. clunkers for years. For and, a decade. Uh, are yeah, are he, you willing to eat that much shit? I bet yeah. you're not. I bet you already know enough about something else to not have to, you know? <laughs> right, like, right. It's, you, you know enough about whatever it is. And, and given, and uh, like, doesn't matter if there's other people who also know about that, right? So I have a sports It channel. doesn't matter at all. I, somebody, somebody asked me when I started our sports podcast, they were like, okay, so you're just like another white guy in his 30s with a sports podcast? Like, <laughs> why is anybody going to listen to you about the NBA? And I'm like... I mean, I know more than the average person about the NBA, but also I can just take a different angle. I can be more entertaining. Yeah. I can be, it can be a comedy show where we talk about sports. I can give stuff away. Like I, I'm also a marketing guy. What's my other competitive advantage? Yeah. I'm really good at marketing. I know how to grow an audience and how to own an audience on an email list, on a text list and send them texts every time we're live. It's pretty simple to grow yeah. a live show when you're just constantly growing that text list, right? Like, so I think you, you bring up an important point here, which maybe I, I kind of forgot about, is um, I also you know have a background in marketing. Um, and, and I think my point of view on my content has always been, like, I can't look at it any other way than that. So, yeah. like, I didn't make a video, like, the first video that I had that kind of got pretty big, meaning, I don't know, 100,000 views or something in the beginning when that was, like, a huge amount, was about this band called Bring Me the Horizon, which... Um, kind of, you know, they used to be this little MySpace band and now they sell out like stadiums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and what I, the, that video was sort of trying to unpack how they become successful because as a marketing person, that's how I look at everything. So other people might make videos like, 
what's my favorite album or whatever and like i don't it's my videos are really very rarely about my own personal taste it's just like trying to understand how did this how did this band go from playing to 10 mm -hmm. people you know in a ymca to selling out you know stadiums so there's this idea of like um uh, a talent stack of how can you sort of apply this thing that you know from elsewhere to this other thing and now yeah. you have this unique combination that nobody else has yeah even yeah, if you're so, not the best at either one of those two things exactly yeah so like what what do you know a lot about like what are the like find like the two or three things that kind of make you you i love a quote that i heard like nobody can beat you at being you you want to yes, know how you exactly. beat the ai robot yeah you want to know how you beat the ai robot be you they can't be you better than you even if they could then it's not you if they do something you wouldn't do then it's not you right so for example nobody... like if you're a grandpa and you're talking about um pokemon like that sounds yeah. like a fucking great idea for a channel to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Grandpa right? Pokemon, like, right there. Gra there you go. Grandpa Pokemon. I just, that's a, I just that's gave a you a channel million, idea. Yeah, that's a ten million sub channel. Exactly. We should just do a segment. We should exactly. do a segment where we just come up with channel ideas. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, what's that Venn diagram of things? Like you said earlier, you know, landscaping, right? Like, and some people find it really disparate. Like, uh, it's like landscaping, and I'm pretty good at fantasy sports. Yeah, and you know, I also know. Uh, a lot about like I don't know just you know tools and and like uh, like fixing things in general I'm just a handy right. guy in general and it's like how do those things relate well I don't know but when you come I could up, tell you right now how they could relate imagine a guy who gives you his fantasy football picks while he's on his riding lawnmower or you know um, doing something in his shop or whatever yeah. again that sounds like a 10 million sub ch uh, channel to me yeah exactly you don't have to be the best at any of those things right there's no. already there's already landscaping channels. There's already fix-it DIY channels. There's already fantasy sports channels. But there's nobody who's going to be able to do it like you, right? I like to so, think about, like, imagine describing the channel to somebody at a party. Like, yeah. there's this guy or girl who does X. And could you describe that, you know, very quickly in one or two sentences? Like, there's this guy that gives out his fantasy football picks on his riding lawnmower. He just goes on for, like, half an hour. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you could imagine describing that to someone. Yeah, or just, like, while he's changing his oil or something. Yeah, like that. right, you know, like, right. It's uh yeah so so I think that's it like draw that Venn diagram up I think is like that's the thing people miss on all the time if you want to be a big creator like what is it that it's like if these three things if you were to ask yourself if these three things were related at all and you could get paid for it I would be so well paid right that's right your channel that's yep. you as a creator that's what it is um and and sometimes it is hard right so. Uh, sometimes it is hard to make them come together, but if you can, that's the secret sauce, I think. And and that's like a common thing I've heard from every creator. Um, I want to hit on uh, a, a concept I like to call inflection points. Mm -hmm. So like in your journey, right? So you were, like had all of this time, your main competitive advantage was like, you just knew this industry yeah. like nobody else. You had this huge depth of knowledge of this industry and you had built relationships over time in this industry. So we've got network effect, we've got uh, yep. subject matter expertise. We, and then tell me about like starting the channel. What were sort of the breakthrough points and the inflection points of like, okay, you know, it was kind of just going along and then this happened. There's usually a few events for creators that are like, here were the breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, so the original, so the name of the channel is the Punk Rock MBA, and the original idea for the channel was that I was going to talk about business, not music. 
But the mm-hmm. idea was going to be sort of the inverse of what it ended up being. It was like, okay, I'm going to talk about business from the point of view who some, who, of somebody who kind of grew up, you know, going to punk shows and stuff like that. Um, and I, and I did that for many months and nobody cared. I did, mm-hmm. I don't know, 50, 60, 90 videos. I don't remember what it was a lot. Um, but actually relative to other people, not that many, but, um, whatever. It was like maybe eight or nine months of getting just crushed every time I put out a video. I tried like, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm just not doing enough. Maybe I need to upload every day. I tried that. Didn't help. Um, and so I said, well, you know, maybe I need to sort of flip the equation here instead of being like, you know, punk guy who talks about business. Maybe I need to be, you know, the opposite of that or whatever, however you want to look at it. And, um, uh, business guy, I don't know what, however you want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, That talks about punk. I don't know, but to, to focus more on, on music. So, um, I started doing a couple like reactions and those got, like for the time good traction you know 1700 views in two days you know at at, at the beginning like you would be thrilled with that at the beginning mm-hmm. of a channel right yeah. you're like there's a sign yeah, of life definitely. yes some, signs of life some people some people commented on this thing yes Great. yeah finally. right four people that i that i don't know commented on this yeah. and my cool. mom yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Like I'm onto something here. So that uh-huh. told me like, all right, music is the thing that I should focus on. And in hindsight, it makes sense because like, you know, especially back then I've done some things now that I would say might be, you know, like, I mean, our company bootstrapped to like seven figures in ARR, but that was before we did any of that. So, um, at the time, like in hindsight, I was like, people should listen to me talk about business, but you know, in hindsight, it's like, but why would they? You know, compared to the other people out there who, I, why would they listen to me instead of Chamath? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Why listen Which, to you instead of Gary Vee or Alex yeah. Mosey or, yeah, any, there, there's a lot more, again, I get, but you were, so, so maybe this is the question here is like, you almost dropped part of the Venn diagram because yes. you have like, okay, I have network effect of like kind of having an in with, with, uh, you know, some artists that I can give, you know, key insights or, yeah. or exclusive insights. I have huge subject matter expertise. And then I also have this interest in business. The The Venn diagram of all of that is like, I'm going to talk about the business of the of the rock industry, right? Yeah. Of the, of the music industry specifically focusing on rock. Uh, but you actually dropped part of the Venn diagram. So I think that's a, that's actually a good... Or mostly dropped it, minimized it, yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good sort of follow up to what we said before of like, that's what it is, is like, well, yeah, but once you get there, you're going to see which part of that little Venn yeah. diagram is, is, has more hotspots, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which part do you, 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 you know, as I heard, uh, I think it was Chris, Chris Doe said it, I think, you know, mm-hmm. push where you see daylight. Um, and so that's what I did. So those reactions were kind of getting a little bit of traction. I was like, okay, cool. There's something here. Um, and then the real breakthrough came, like I said, that video about Bring Me the Horizon, which I got the idea. I, I mean, I knew people cared about that band, so that helped. And I mm-hmm. already knew a lot about them because I'd followed them since the, the beginning of the band. Um, and I knew somebody who like did a lot of their early merch designs and lived with the singer for a while. So I had some sort of like, you know... Um, you know knowledge that other people might not have um and uh i was i went to a wedding um my friend's wedding with another youtuber this guy named uh fluff ryan bruce who's like pretty well-known guy like sort of in the guitar community and Mm -hmm. i was just sort of bouncing ideas around with him and uh 
this sort of came up and he's like dude yes that's the one you got to do that and i was like hmm I, I mean i didn't really i didn't really necessarily think that it was the best idea but one thing that i would say i'm good at is listening to other people like if someone i'm not stubborn and hard-headed like if someone else has what sounds to me to be a good idea i'll i'll give it a try and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter who it is it could be like you know whatever like the person at chipotle that makes my burrito like i'll yeah. take a good idea from anyone so yeah. he suggests and especially someone like fluff who at the time he had like three hundred thousand subs when i had like that 90 <laughs> yeah that's the other thing is that sometimes it's like uh even if you don't think it's a good idea but it's from someone you respect or someone who kind of knows right. what they're doing maybe you just take it anyway and and give it a try just try right? it yeah yeah give it a I, I, they I, might know a little more than you yeah there's exactly there's a term for uh that I, I don't know who made this up but i really liked of ask holes which is people who ask for advice and then they're like uh yeah well yeah, yeah i'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna disregard that and you're like all right so anyway i i tried that um and that video oh, excuse me uh <laughs> i i tried his idea sorry i hate i hate burping i that was unintentional um uh, I tried that and it ended up getting, I don't know, a hundred thousand views or something in a couple weeks, which at the time was crazy. Um, and I mean, well, that would still be like decent for me, but at the time that was like insane. Um, and, uh, that really, I got, you know, whatever, hundreds and hundreds of subs from that, which you don't always see. And, you know, you, you see sometimes there's a channel with one video that has like a million views, but the channel has like 175 subs you know and um so what 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 you see there is that person clearly failed to at least make it about themselves to some extent um mm -hmm. there's a couple things that i chose to do from the very beginning because i had seen that happen um number one i always used my real name um which is a risk and i wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. suggest that everybody do it um but i said the whole point of me doing this in the beginning was to like build a personal brand for myself as somebody who like, like to me, to prove, to prove that I was good at marketing. I'm like, well, what better way to do that than by getting, I said, if I could get like 50,000 subscribers, that would prove that I'm good at marketing. Cause you know, I did this YouTube thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah. and I will only get credit for that if I use my real name. So I have to use my real name. Um, and I don't think everyone has to, but I do think it sort of, I, I, I think it, helps people connect with you in, in another way if you do use yeah. your real name um and also i showed my face at the beginning of the videos um at the time i only did voiceover they were like video essays um with just voiceover you know and whatever random music videos and stuff like that because i was basically copying what people like uh there's a guy named patrick h willems that makes great like video essays about movies another uh, girl named psych mm -hmm. irl that does great stuff about like sort of internet content and i was just basically copying them but doing it about uh video about music but i said i want to put my face at the beginning because i think you know again like how do you connect back to people well your real name and your face i think are two really power and i only showed my face at the beginning for maybe 30 seconds but that was enough for people to at least have a name and a face to put to it so i got a lot of subscribers for that and then it just sort of snowballed from there um and i've had you know a number of different a number of videos over the years that um, sort of were other inflection points, but basically that "Bring Me the Horizon" one was the thing that yeah. once that hit, I was like, okay, I know what I know where to go from here. 
Where leaders go, learning follows. At Harvard Business School, we offer in-person and virtual executive education programs on a broad range of business topics. Each program addresses real-world challenges and is taught by our world-renowned faculty. Join an exceptional peer group. Sharpen your leadership skills. Advance your career. It's your time. Go. To apply, visit hbs.me go. That's hbs.me go. As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more. Right. Well, and, that's, and then you're so plugged in to like the audience, the industry, yeah. that you're like, oh, if this is what gets views... I know what other kind of stuff. I got a hundred more like this one. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Right. I can, I can re recreate this format. So, I mean, I think, okay, back to, you know, the original question and, yeah. and I'm going to sort of sum this up uh, and let you tag it. Like, you know, why did, why does anybody care what you just this, another kind of guy from like seemingly nowhere, not a musician, not really anyone yeah. at the time connected to the music industry. As far as I know, like, why do people care about what you have to say about the music industry? Well, we have a competitive advantage, like skills and and like built competitive advantage of network effect over time. So you're leveraging a competitive advantage. Um, you're, you know, kind of working in the Venn diagram of where that is. And you're creating videos that are for the audience, but still intersperse, like you kind of lace it. You got to lace that video with yeah. some personality and uh, some sort of like connection to the creator, right? So it's for the audience and the packaging needs to be for the audience. Like they don't, don't put your face on the thumbnail unless you're famous, right? Like yep. put the famous people's face yep, on the thumbnail. Exactly, exactly. Leverage the social proof of their, uh, of them. Um, follow topics and timings that are hot, right? Like this is what you were doing. You're following, here's the bands that are getting hot um, that, you know, I'm gonna ride those waves and I know cause I'm plugged in. And yep. then you're just lacing it with some personality. Right. And so what does that do for you now? Like, why do you never make a clunker? And to me, if I, I think your kind of point on it is I'm always making videos for the audience. Yes. Right. But you also have this sort of like you have a seed audience with every video you put out. There is a few thousand people who are going to watch every single thing you do and they are going to watch it all the way through and they're going to comment and they're just sending all of these funny, these, these friendly signals to the algorithm that this is a good video and other people like me will like it. Right. So you make the video for the audience and you've done enough of building like this core following of people with personality that, you know, every single video is going to get play from YouTube. Yep. I mean, that's it. That's the formula. We could we could call it right there. Uh, <laughs> there we go. That was easy. Yeah. Good pod. Uh, I do actually want to uh, to to hit another topic here of expansion. So, yeah, creators who find a hot spot they find their spot they find you know what works oftentimes feel the need to expand into something else and and this is something you attempted right because you're making music content you that part of the venn diagram of like business and marketing you know that sort of got minimized and minimized until it's pretty much kind of like it's it's music content yeah um, and so you you make the second channel to make more business and marketing content. And looking at some of your earlier videos on there, you had a strategy, right? When you launched your podcast, you had a strategy. When you launched that channel, I, I imagine it was a similar strategy. Yep. Like, I can't just go make 
business and marketing content that has nothing to do with music because nobody who follows me will care. So I need to make music heavy content and have music industry guests, you know, where we maybe talk about the business side of it a little bit more and then build up the audience that way. You cited Joe Rogan as somebody uh, who did this early on. He talked to mostly comedians and mostly MMA fighters and then he started Mm -hmm. expanding and now it's very few comedians and MMA fighters. Uh, that is not what the channel is today. So you and and you are a person who, you know, if I were to ask like, did you abandon that strategy to chase views? You'd be like, yes, that's what I'm yes. chasing. All I'm chasing of course, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> what do we do? What are we doing here? How, how do we yeah. measure our worth on YouTube? How many, yeah, how many although, views do we get? Yeah, yeah. Although again, it goes back to your question before of like, what is the business model? Yeah. Is your business model to feed some other business, or is the business model just to get views? And for me, right, it so- is to get views. What was so, the yes, point of the McKinsey channel in the first place? Because wasn't it to scratch that itch of doing something that you're more interested in? And so, like, why did you pivot? And and what do you think about people who expand into other topics? And is it possible? Yeah. So, the yes, the original intent was to scratch that itch. Um, but I just I, I'm too busy to do anything that doesn't make money. I mean, I have, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a partner in this company called URM Academy. We teach people how to produce music. Um, and between that and, you know, I'm married and I have a kid and stuff. And like, I just, mm-hmm. I don't have time for, I don't have time to fuck around with stuff that doesn't make money. Basically. Like I res- completely respect other people who do things purely for creative satisfaction. I'm not like saying that everyone should be as like, you know, mercenary as I am, but that's just, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at a certain point, I, I didn't make a video on that channel for like a year because I was just like, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I don't want to I don't want to spend all this time making a video gets 3000 views, which not mm-hmm. to put down 3000 views because it, it's all relative. You know, for some people, 3000 yeah. views is a you, lot for other people. Means, it's Yeah, you have probably three to 15,000 true fans, really. Yeah, they're they're following whatever content you do, which is great. That's I mean, that's a valuable thing, but totally. You know, so I don't just, mean to... it just wasn't what you were up to. At that point in my career and life, that was not sufficient for me in the same way as there's other people who would look at my view counts now, you know, and they'd be like, well, I'm not going to bother putting out a video if it's only going to get 100,000 views. Yeah. So it's all relative. Um, Anyway, so uh, I didn't put out a video for like a year. And then um, I I got I did a deal with Twitch. I got signed by Twitch um, because they at the time were building out like music as sort of they sort of saw the potential of music to yeah. be a, a vertical that could have the same characteristics as gaming um and one of the guys there knew who i was because he worked at this label called roadrunner um which you know signed like slipknot and a lot of these other it's a big metal label so he knew mm-hmm. who i was from like i think even before youtube um and uh so they signed me and he suggested well you know why don't you you know you should make highlight clips of this and put them on youtube um you know, because like that's the best way to, to to monetize this. And I said, well, I've already got this other second channel that is already monetized and has at least some subscribers. Why don't I put those clips on my second channel? I actually didn't expect them to do as well as they did, um, but uh, that proved to be like exactly what people wanted. I mean, you, you know, I I think I talked about this earlier, but like you can look at the chart. And it's just the views, like, literally, like, 50 x <laughs> Yeah. when I started doing that stuff. And I was like, okay, well, it'd be pretty dumb not to keep doing this. So I actually look at Twitch now, like, I'll get, you know, maybe 200 or so concurrent viewers, which is not bad. Um, but I look at Twitch as just 
the the stage where I live record stuff that's going to go on that second channel now. Right. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. No, yeah, it, it does. And and so it was like basically you you didn't pivot it, you abandoned it, and then you, yes. you were like, oh, I guess I can just repurpose it into this. Yeah, um, not have to make another channel. You know, exactly. Um, which yeah, I think that's valid, and it, it's a like. So back to the question. So the second part of the question. Oh, so is, about expanding, yeah. Yeah, can, can um, people expand? And like, have you seen it done? And do you think it's actually like advisable? I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Um, it's certainly possible, right? I mean, we can all think of examples of people that have done it. Um, but I would say that more often than not, I think it's more often than not, it's a bad idea um, because we can probably think of a lot more examples of people. You know, we're like, man, his channel used to be popping and until he stopped doing the thing that everyone likes. And now, you know, he gets 10,000 views, even though he yeah. has 800,000 subs. You're like, what the fuck is he doing um, mm -hmm. now? If if he or she is happy making that content, cool. That's all that matters. But to me, um, I, I, I to me, that seems like a waste. I mean, you've like spent so much time building this asset, you know, which is your channel to then basically just like throw it away to me seems kind of crazy so uh however i have expanded a little bit um the way i would think about it is um uh, imagine like concentric circles right so you've got your core thing here that works that's in the middle um now uh every way that you deviate from that adds like one circle beyond that so is it like a new topic is it a new audience is it a new format you know um I, I don't know what else there would be like that's probably kind of the the big mm -hmm. three but um it, as long as you're only going one circle from the core i think that's okay to experiment yeah. there but if yeah. you're going two or three that's pretty rare so that that works out so if it's a new topic for a new audience and with an, a new sort of format that's that's a pretty big risk right yeah and I would say that there's some of those circles that are even like more heavily weighted. So format, I think, is the least heavily. Weighted. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, if it's the same topic, same audience, you're just trying a different format. Um, Probably fine. Pretty, pretty safe test. Yeah. Uh, same. And then topic would be next. Right. So if you're yep. going with the same format and the same audience, but you're kind of doing a different topic. Um, probably the next most safe. Yep. Breaking into a new audience. That in and of itself is a pretty extremely hard and that's the one that people usually want to exactly. do um right. including me i would love to like be able to talk about other things it's but well, it's, it's because they didn't fit some part of the consent what some part of the yeah. diagram that is in. right some part of it didn't really fit into what got views and early on you just want traction right so you kind yeah of just you're just thankful for fucking anything give me that one little fucking drop <laughs> yeah. of water i'm starving to death here in the desert you know, and then after a while, you're like, nah, good. I don't, I'm a little yeah. more picky about what kind of water I want now. How, how many people, how many creators have you heard say something along the lines of like, oh yeah, I had this idea and I basically just knew it was going to go viral and it made me oh. not want to do it. Uh, yeah, none. Like, we, we, yeah, I mean, it's like, I've heard some, only when they're big. It's like, once they're big, it's like, they know what'll hit. Yeah, right, right. And they don't want to do it because it's like, I, I just know, like, so what? So that I can get even deeper yeah. into that thing that doesn't scratch this other itch. And that's fine. So I, I think really it's the message we've already said of like, yeah. look, early on, you just want views and you're just chasing that. And look, we, we can tell we've told you already, here's how you get that. But yeah. before you do, identify who you are, right? And are yeah. you going to hate it if some part of that Venn diagram of you has to get 
pushed out in order for you to get the views? And are you going to want to stop doing it? Um, yeah. For you, you're like, great, I'll just do whatever gets the views. I would love yeah. for that to also scratch all the itches. Uh, but if it doesn't, it doesn't, right? That's fine. Yeah, you know, and I think a, another sort of competitive advantage that I had is I was like 38 or something when I started. Mm -hmm. I had already had lots of jobs and stuff like that. So like, I think a lot of the reason why you hear creators burn out or sort of struggle with the, these things is because a lot of them have never had a job and a lot of them have never sort of had to yeah. like really deal with that. I mean, this is like every fucking job. Like yeah. sometimes you fucking hate your job for a while, yeah. you know, and that's just how it is. So I was never under the illusion that like there's this fantasy world where I get to do stuff that's really creatively fulfilling. And then people will also shower me with praise and money for that. Like, yeah. that's just that's a fantasy land. Like, I accept that sometimes things are going to be a grind and you're going to have to put time into something you don't necessarily get super excited about creatively. That's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, if you think about I mean, if we even like translate this to music, which is something everyone can relate to. You know, if you go to a concert, your favorite band, you know, that, you know, for me, for me, it might be, you know, when I was growing up, Linkin Park, Linkin Park's sure. a bad example of this because they have had evolutions. Let's use Limp Bizkit, But a lot right? of people hated it when they changed. Yeah, a lot of people have hated their, yeah, it's like the last, yeah. the last version of Linkin Park. They hate the new version of Linkin Park. Yes. Um, let's use Limp Bizkit. They were very sure. much like a, a time period band, right? One, maybe two big albums. Yeah. Um, and so if, I, if they were doing a reunion tour and I did Olympic, went to a Limp Bizkit show, or if I, you know, going even to my younger years, if I went to a Backstreet Boys show and they played a bunch of songs I'd never heard. A bunch of fucking deep it. cuts off the new album. You'd be like, what the fuck, man? What is this? Yeah. I yeah. Hate, I didn't come here to. One, yeah. Maybe I didn't one, hear maybe to come here to listen to, to fucking track number six off your album from 2017. Yeah. Get no. the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, play, play the hits that way. Yeah, shut yeah. up and play the hits. Exactly. Right. Um, and and, and I, I feel grateful, you know, like, yeah, of course, there's a part of me that, you know, my ego is like, oh, I wish people cared about me talking about this. Mm -hmm. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The other, of course. But I just always try to stay grateful that anybody gives a shit that I have what I have to say about anything at yep. all. Yeah, like I always try to stay to grateful. Play. Yeah, exactly. Be grateful that you have hits to play, you know. That's exactly. And then and people and then are play them. people are spending their most precious resource with me, which is their time. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's people that have watched hundreds of hours of my content, and I'm not going to look that that gift in the face and like sneer at it and say it's not good enough. That that's insanely. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.
entitled and arrogant to me. It's it's very uh, it's very yeah it's selfish. Um, yeah, and I, I mean I don't mean to call people out, and I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call an incredibly talented person out because I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Bo Burnham, his mm-hmm. most recent special inside. I don't know if you've seen it. This was my thought. Uh, like, a little bit like, of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. It just seemed so self-serving, and he's like took these five years off, and I, I'm not. I don't mean to diminish mental health. Uh, so you know, and he was having some mental health issues. Okay, but but you know, put it this way: I, I think about this shit all the time. So my dad was a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. He was locked in a cage with murderers for 20 years. My stepmom worked across the street at a facility for sex offenders. My father-in-law is from Vietnam. He fought in the fucking jungle for seven years yeah. straight. Yeah. Can you fucking make a video that maybe you don't love? Yeah, I yeah. think you fucking can. You're having an identity crisis because you make songs that just make people laugh. And fucking they don't, get over it, not- man. Get over yourself. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's fucking, it makes me sick, to be honest, like, I don't, like, yeah, it's just no, like, how fucking lost, in the, or dodging fucking bullets, yeah, exactly, like, how or, far up your own ass do you have to get to, like, have this existential crisis, because people aren't laughing at the right fucking jokes, man, <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, or your, your creativity doesn't have enough meaning in your subjective opinion, you know, yeah, just, exactly. How right. about being stuck in a fucking prison riot for three days like my dad was? Or being his first job was being a fucking gun tower guard. He had to stand up there with a rifle, so if anybody tried to fucking start a riot on the yard, he had to shoot at him. Yeah. You know? So this is interesting. This is the first time I've thought about this idea, and it, it leads me to a next uh, question, maybe a little bit of a topic shift. Um, I almost wonder if it, it might be a healthy thing for creators to, like, have jobs like even some kind of crappy jobs like be a garbage man or like a janitor or like sure like have some like crappy jobs just so you realize like okay even if it's a grind sometimes even if it's like not you know scratching your creator whatever it is whatever existential crisis you go through as a creator or whatever mental health struggles you go through and again don't mean to diminish mental health definitely take care of mental health but like it could be worse, right? Being a janitor and like cleaning toilets for very little yeah. pay is worse. Uh, for and, sure. I probably make, I don't know, five times now what my dad did at the height of his career yeah. as a corrections officer. And he was doing, and I talk about fucking Lincoln Park on YouTube. <laughs> this man, you know, was like <laughs> basically protecting society from the yeah. absolute worst of the worst. <laughs> Do, you does know? your dad it's, ever look at what you do and be like, "Are you gonna? So are you ever gonna like work or get like? What are you doing? Like you just go dick around on YouTube all day? Like what is this?" Uh, no, because I mean, I worked my fuck. I mean, I, I've worked all kinds of like shitty, difficult jobs. Like I did mm-hmm. printing from the time I started working six days a week when I was fifteen years old. As soon as I was legally able to, you mm-hmm. know, I did printing from the time I was like fifteen to like twenty three, and like, you know, printing. Yeah, okay. I'm not gonna say it's like the salt mines, but it's pretty fucking close. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, that's, yeah, it so, sucks. So skills, skills creators should develop. I actually think I'm going to add this one to the list of like maybe work some shitty jobs. Honestly, one, yeah. One because I think it's actually a good idea to be able to take a long view as a creator and and not be have everything riding on this next video and have a way to support yourself financially outside yep. of your your creativity until a certain point. Two, so that you can understand, you know that being a creator is a pretty great job no matter what the topic is. Uh, yes. What are some other skills you think are, are like really important 
to develop for creators? Um, you know, I, I'm going to maybe answer this question a little bit differently. Um, I, I think that being a creator, specifically like a YouTube, a YouTuber, like is such a fucking insanely hard job that requires you to be so good at so many different things. Like you have to be really, really good at things that you rarely find somebody that's good at even one of them. And you have to be like significantly above average at all of them. Yeah. Um, so you have to be a good writer. You have to be a good performer. Um, you probably have to be like your own editor, at least in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, you got to be able to do like SEO and sort of content strategy. You got to be able to make thumbnails, um, community management. Like you're doing like literally six jobs that other people do as one job and you have to be really good at all of them. So um, rather than telling people that they need to like learn more things and get better at other stuff, um, I, I would say just like give yourself a little pat on the back for the fact that you're already pretty fucking good at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stop having an existential first tough. Yeah. Enough, stop having an <laughs> existential crisis uh, about your creativity, not being good enough for you. And then also what you're doing is really hard. I, I agree. Super uh, hard. Uh, um, I think, and, and, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say marketing content strategy. I think a lot of creators, especially when they're from the more creative side, it's like, they think of marketing as this like dirty business word, but like how you think of it is you're like, I always think of the audience. Like yeah. what is that? What is that thumbnail? What is that title? What is that hook that they're going to be into? What's the intro that's going to like keep them coming, keep yeah. them watching. And uh, you know, what's the topic, you know, and, and then once they're three, four minutes in, what's the topic that they're going to be so immersed in and what are the story loops I can open right. uh, in their brains? That's just going to make them be like, all right, well, yep, I'm watching this whole video now, you yeah. know? Like um, my retention on 20 minute videos is usually between 50 and 60%, which tells me like yeah. that I'm doing a pretty good job of respecting their time. I think, I think Mr. B says like, just make great videos and the rest will come together. I don't disagree, but I think there's a lot of people who make great videos. Well, who decides what's great? That's the question. The audience yeah. does. Exactly. Well, yes. And the, the audience does decide what's great. And I think there's a lot of people that you could look at a video somebody does that has 500 views and you're like this is actually a really good video but if you look yeah. at the packaging the packaging just wasn't yeah, yeah oh for the sure for sure wasn't yeah. there so for sure that you know they're making great videos they're really telling great stories but they're just not getting people to click or they're not making it about the right topic that anyone cares about that topic time. title and thumbnail is 80 yep. percent of it in my opinion and timing would be the other thing i think yeah yeah you know? right right um topic and timing sort of married uh, yeah. And I, I think that's it. Like, you know, if you're a marketing person, so if you're like me, you probably need to actually improve like your storytelling and your prep and like how you're thinking about like, what is this video going to be? What is this yeah. piece of content going to be and your content strategy overall? Cause I'm already a marketing guy, but if you're not that, I think that's probably like the number one skill of like learn direct response copywriting, honestly, like sure. read some books on direct response copywriting. I think it'd be huge for a lot of creators, honestly. And I bet a lot of them are better at it than a lot of people that already do DR copy for a living. For sure. For sure. Because a lot of people who do DR copy for a living, they got to do it for brands who like, who, who tame them, who water them down, you know? Yeah. And, and they're selling and they fucking ceiling fans. And it's like, God, what do I do with this? Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> want to be cool inside your house, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to push back on something that I have heard um, a lot of people talk about, um, which is the idea that like, YouTubers also need to be entrepreneurs of some kind. 
um, <laughs> meaning they also have to have an e-com company and sell courses and this, that, and the other. Oh. And like, that's totally cool. Like if, if you want to do that and there's lots of examples of people that have done it well. Um, but I just think it's insane to expect that, you know, you and I knew how to do this stuff before, you know, we made content, right? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I've been running I, I, education businesses and stuff for like a decade. I struggle more um, at making content than I do at building businesses. Right. Sure. And it's because it's fucking hard. Right. right. And so the idea that like, like to, to the idea that somebody is going to be really good at YouTube and also be really good at running an e-com company is fucking insane to me. Cause like e-com <laughs> is hard as shit. <laughs> yeah. Outside of the entrepreneur creators, you know, so we got, you know, Davey Fogarty, Noah Kagan, maybe yeah. Alex Hermosi or Layla Hermosi. Outside of them, I don't really see anybody having that kind of skill set. And Noah's a lot better at business than he is at YouTube. He's yeah. had a lot more success with that. Right. And no, I mean, it's just at this point, YouTube's what he's interested in. Right? Yeah, he exactly. He doesn't need it. In. Yeah. Because um, his business is kind of operational without him, which is what great entrepreneurs are great at. Yeah. Uh, is making their business entrepreneur, their business operate without them. But I, I do agree. And this actually brings me kind of maybe to, to the last topic I want to hit on. A lot of the, I have a newsletter um, called Modern Creator, a little plug, I guess. Modern Creator, I send uh, creators deals every week. So here's, mm -hmm. here's brand collab deals. Um, I also send them some growth tips and some, you know, starting tips and stuff like that. But most of them are there for the deals, let's be honest. Uh, sure. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, I'll send it out and, like, two people will click on the podcast and, like, you know, <laughs> 300 people will click on the deals. Uh, yeah. And so I, um, you know, the biggest biggest feedback I get on the newsletter, biggest thing people reply to me with is, like, you know, how do I get, how do I make more money as a creator outside of just growing and getting bigger and getting more views yeah. outside of just growing and getting bigger and getting more views. How do I make more money as a creator? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't think there's any one answer to that. I think having this model of, you know, affiliate and courses and this, that, and the other, that's totally cool. But I really want to push back on the idea that like, you can't make good money from AdSense alone or yeah. certainly AdSense plus brand deals. Like I know a lot of people who make six figures a year off just AdSense. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's easy. It isn't. But it's easier than, like, <laughs> it's easier than building a YouTube channel and an e-com company and mm -hmm. selling courses and running affiliate deals. Like, that's fucking hard as shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of people sort of spread themselves too thin and they're probably not doing a very good job of executing on any one of those things. And, I, and, and in my opinion, the, the key to success as an entrepreneur of any kind is focus. Like pick one thing and execute really well on that. And then you can move on to the other thing after you've executed super well on it. But like, I think a lot of people give up on AdSense when they shouldn't. Like there is no reason, you know, if, if you're having success with your YouTube channel, I would continue focusing on that rather than pulling your focus away and now trying to sell courses because, again, I've sold over $10 million in education over the past decade, so I know a little bit about that. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah, really hard. I, and, I, you know, I think the way we met was another creator who I respect a lot uh, sort of laying out some numbers. Uh, this person, this is a specifically a person who yeah. pre preaches diversification. And I think there's... I also am a fan of diversification. He's not wrong. Yeah, He's I'm not also wrong. a fan of diversification. Yeah. But 
I think there's other ways to diversify, which I'll get into in a second. But but the way that you and I connected was uh, he he sort of laid out some numbers of like, all right, you know, here's how much you make if if your video does this many views. But you know, what if you could run paid traffic, you know, for this much per day yeah. and and make this much? And he said like twenty dollars per day and make two hundred dollars per day. And I'm like, <laughs> if you're doing that, man, you're get, you're in the one percent of the one percent. Yeah, yeah. You do quit YouTube, that. scale that shit, and retire to your doing. private island. I don't know why you're doing YouTube at all. And yeah. if you are doing YouTube and you're doing that, then you should probably just start doing YouTube about doing that because yeah, that's, for sure. that's what everyone wants to know. So like, he's not wrong. If you could do yeah. that, that would be amazing. But, but I just feel like a lot of people sort of put way too much pressure on themselves to do things that are kind of, I don't want to say unrealistic because I believe that you should try to do unrealistic things, but mm -hmm. there's a point at which it's just like kind of absurd. Like, you know, if someone thinks they're going to be a pro basketball player, you know, at the age of 35, it's yeah. not going to happen. That's I mean, when people say, like, you could do anything. Like, my response is always like, hey, I love to play basketball. I'm five foot nine. <laughs> I'm not particularly athletic. I'm 32 years old. Right. The NBA isn't looking for me. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> nobody in the league is like, you know what we need? We need this guy. We need this yeah. guy who can't really do anything other than maybe shoot a little bit. Uh, like so my, my point of view on diversification is um, I think you should uh, have a lot of hooks in the water mm -hmm. um, but you should only pay pay attention to the ones that are routinely bringing in fish so okay. for example I have uh, you know AdSense I have brand deals I have Patreon I have merch I have my podcast mm -hmm. I spend zero attention on merch like none yeah um like it's just links in the description. I make a new design once or twice a year. I make a few hundred bucks a month off of it. Could mm -hmm. I make more if I focused on it? Yeah. I mean, I used to design shirts for Abercrombie and Fitch. I know lots about apparel. It's just not, I, uh, and the reason I don't focus on it is because I know how hard it is because mm -hmm. that was my full-time job for years. Yeah. Um, so I just let it be what it's going to be. If it's 50 bucks a month, cool. If I have a good month and it's 400 bucks a month, cool. Um, Patreon, same thing. Like, uh, I, I do like reasonably well on Patreon and I'm really grateful for the people who support me there, but it's not like some of these podcasts where like, you know, I don't know, uh, there's a company called last stand media. He does like, uh, I want to say he has like 13,000 patrons or something now. So, yeah. you know, no, he's doing I like Andrew Schultz has like like a hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they're really focusing on that. Good for them. Mm -hmm. But you know, you, you can't be great at everything all at the same time is what it comes down to. It's just, yeah. it's not possible. So focus on the one thing, maybe one and a half things that are really bringing the bacon. So for me, that's AdSense and brand deals. I have mm -hmm. a manager who's awesome and he brings me something almost every week on both of my channels. And if everything else went away, I would be good with just AdSense and brand deals. So yeah. focus focus on, and for other people, it might be different. Maybe it is courses. Like I know people who actually don't really do that well with AdSense, but they make yeah. a ton of money on courses. Totally valid. Yeah. Um, but you can only focus on one thing at a time and really be excellent, excellent at it. So that's my point of view on diversification. Try stuff, but focus on the thing that's actually working.
Hey, Dick Fane here. Well, summer's over, but it was a great one. Plenty of warm days and sunny skies where you spend a lot of time outdoors and very likely a lot of hosting went on where family and friends went in and out of your home tracking whatever was outside the house into the house. Well, now that fall is here and it's time to cozy up inside, wouldn't it be nice to have sparkling clean carpets to cozy up on? Well, there's only one right way to do it the Alpine Specialty Services Super Truck. Alpine doesn't clean carpets like the other guys who use their puny vacuums, chemicals, and cold water. Oh, no. Alpine uses 265-degree deionized water to not only get the dirt out, but also any bacteria, viruses, pet dander, and other nastiness that may have collected during the summer months. So get your home ready for the cold weather and indoor time that we're entering into with Alpine. And take 25% off the top if you mention me or KJR. Over 9,000 five-star reviews including mine, tell the tale of Alpine's professionalism and quality. 206-501-2223 and alpineclean.com. Constant Contact helps small businesses stand tall with powerful digital marketing solutions. And now with advanced automation and AI tools in one place, we've got your marketing covered so you can focus more on running your business. With our AI content generator, you'll always have the right words to say. And with pre-built automated email and text messages, you'll say the right thing at the right time every time. Constant Contact delivers the tools you need to keep up, excel, and grow. Try it free at constantcontact.com. Yeah, and and uh, I think, you know, to your point on courses, uh, Colin and Samir just had Ali Abdallah on, and his his business is mostly a course business, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's most of his revenue. Brand deals, AdSense make up a little bit, whereas you're kind of like heavy AdSense. Yeah. Um, I want to point out a few other ways that I think is like because really the point of diversification is like, um, and, and there's there's actually a business version of this. Uh, and the business version is there was, there was this time period where if you could run, if you were decently good at running ads on Google and then Facebook yeah. uh, in, a, in a later time period, you could spend a dollar and make three or four dollars today, instantly. Yep. Um, and... So, you know, it was this arbitrage opportunity and, and creatorship can be the same way. It's like you can make a video, get a bunch of views and uh, Google's paying you a bunch of money, you know, but you are sort of constantly running scared because what if the algorithm changes and I stop, sure. you know, I, and I stop making money uh, or what if my account gets shut down, right? And the business version was your ad account could get shut down. Yep. You're, you're, you could get demonetized on YouTube. I have a channel. They got demonetized on YouTube, like for no real good reason, and they won't review it, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, same I mean, thing that happens when your email provider shuts you down. You're yeah. like, oh fuck, we don't have a business anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's you know that's the point of diversification, so that it's like, well, if that happened, you know, how many months do you have to figure yeah. it out? Um, or or like, could you cover your overheads? Uh, and I think that's maybe not a bad way to look at it. First of all, to yeah. say like, am I di- like? There's the main thing. And then could all of the other sort of piecemeal things kind of cover me? Could they float me? If you're there, you're diversified, right? And you can kind of just focus on the main thing and, yep. and kind of making more off of the main thing. Yeah, so, so that's number one. Uh, to support your point, you know, our mortgage and insurance for our family is covered from every, all the other stuff like Patreon, merch, stuff like that. So yep. we're covered from that. Yeah. And, I, so and I'm like thrilled with that. Right, you're diversified enough to just say like, I can just focus on the main thing and make it more on the main thing. Yeah, um, and someone else might look at Patreon and go, oh, you only have 400 patrons, but this person has 10,000. Like, you should do this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm only human and I can't do all the things all at the same time. 
Yeah, I think another way of diversifying, honestly, is as much as it sort of gets frowned on, this definitely gets frowned on in the music industry, I think a little bit less so in the creator industry, is like just have a job, honestly, right? Totally. Like, be able to support yourself with like your skills and abilities uh, and, and create, you know, figure out a way to create content with putting in that less time and energy. And, and this can, this can layer a little bit. This can skill stack, like you were saying before, like your job can provide you like the outside world experience to bring back to your channel and, yep. and like make your channel better one, or like you, your job can actually be really highly aligned with your channel, right? Yeah. Um, you, your job, what you're doing, um, with the URM is like very aligned with your channel. You guys probably yeah. have a lot of referrals to it from your channel. I'm guessing. Right. Um, um, not, no, it doesn't drive traffic um, because I never talk about it. Okay. Um, and, and it's just not that's not just not really that's but, just but not it really you to stay on top of the trends. at least. Yeah, it's that. Exactly. So it, it, it's completely separate in terms of driving traffic, mm -hmm. but it keeps me plugged in. So for anybody who doesn't know the company, we teach people how to record and produce music. Every month we have a different artist or sorry, a different producer come on to mix a different song. They mm -hmm. give you the actual tracks from the album and we've had you know like fallout boy bring the horizon nickelback gojura periphery like i don't know uh, over like 100 different artists now um yeah. and and it's a lot of the stuff that i talk about on youtube and so that enables me like when we're talking about who should we have on you know in three months from now and we're like what about this person what about this person this band You're like this video popped off Yes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that producer, okay, they've worked with this band or these, they've worked with these 10 different bands that are an option. It should be this one or it should be that specific song from this mm -hmm. band because I know what people care about. Yeah. So it ties in in that way. And by the way, um, you know, I, I could, I could support our family just fine from my job. Yeah. You know, to your point. And so that really takes the pressure off because one of the things that is scary about YouTube is like in July, um, or sorry, uh, August rather, my CPMs went down like 30%. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And I asked a bunch of other people. They said the same thing. That happens. Yeah. So like my paycheck that month is down 30%. This is why I always use to tell Facebook advertisers like when they, you know, yeah, we can, we can talk to each other about it. We can figure out what's going on. But end of the day, it's not your sandbox. It's the weather, or, basically. Yeah, you know? someone else's sandbox. You got to just respect it. You know, if they yep. say these are the rules, these are the house rules, like, you can leave the house or you can play by the house rules. That's Those are your options. So I think that's, yeah, I mean, a job honestly isn't a bad way to be diversified. If you can stack Not at it all. for you where you're, you're being a creator makes you more valuable at your job. I think there's even a whole other level, right? So another example for me would be like me having a podcast. If I, you know, if I go into a job where a lot of my job is like networking and meeting people and like, you know, talking to them whatever business development that kind of thing yeah. a podcast is really highly valuable for that because a podcast mm -hmm. is a great networking tool and a podcast is a great connecting tool i talk to this person i can say oh i can connect you with someone else and then yep. i brought value to them right and so then being a creator sort of like makes me more valuable at my job so that's one way to stack and diversify i think another great way to stack and diversify is uh i think that we're going to see a, a trend of more and more internal creators at companies and i think 100 percent yeah in e-commerce e for sure and, and I, you said you guys have even done it Yep. where someone who's a relatively small creator but good at making the content, yep. they don't have the audience yet, but they're good at making the content, a brand's going to bring them in and say, you can make content on your own channels, on your own pages, 
you know, we just want our brand interspersed. We want our brand to be a part of it. Yeah. And we want you to be making ads for us on a regular basis and stuff like that. And they're going to give them the resources to essentially be a creator for a job. And yep. it's going to grow their personal brand. And then that will grow the brand. I think we're going to see a lot more of this. And that's like a great way to stack. And it's a great way to diversify. And what then, a cool job. What a what a cool job. Way yeah. better than being a corrections officer, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like, uh, I'll give you an example of this. We have somebody who, like, technically he's, like, our graphic designer. Um, but we're sort of changing his role because he made a couple things for our YouTube channel that did really, really well, and they were great. He's just like, he's super into metal and he's super into like recording music, which are the two things that our audience cares about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, like you should just do more of this. Like your job is literally do whatever the fuck you want. As long as it is like cool stuff about metal that our audience likes. Yeah. Right. And what a great job. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, and, and it's leveraging, you, you're leveraging resources to grow your own personal brand as well. And that's yeah. beneficial to that. Like that, that I think is like really the ultimate for a small creator of like, yeah, put your you own name in there, promote your band, do whatever you want. We don't care. Yeah. yeah. How do you make more money without getting bigger? That's like, I don't see, I don't, there's probably not a lot of those opportunities yet, but again, like plug yourself, look at, look for the companies. What are the brands yeah. that are a great content? What do you call it? A product audience fit or product yeah. content fit what are those those brands or companies that are great product content fit for you and your audience and like just approach them make some content for free form do whatever yep. right and and see if you can get in i mean the- but first i want to thank distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast if you're not familiar distro kid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services so in plain language if you have ever wondered how to get your music on itunes spotify apple music youtube music amazon deezer title and many many more there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I, the, the company that I just was consulting with barely, they have two internal content creators and they have some other job functions, social media management and, uh, you know, head of, head of brand and stuff like that, or head of uh, content, like all of their content. But like, the, I mean, a big part of their job is just to make content on the socials. And that's... Yeah, that's I, it's going to be a huge opportunity, I think, in the very near future because everyone is realizing 
the same thing that that we all sort of know is like the person in front of the camera actually matters a lot yeah. like you can't just have let's say welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute what's the name of that podcast that's axe to grind uh and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaking microphone and all <laughs> and my name's bob and my name's patrick and usually we're joined by tom Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast a, I don't know, let's say you're a company that, well, okay, I'll give you an example of this, of what doesn't work is, um, and I've, I've, I've like beaten them up about this all the time, but it's so frustrating. You know what AWS is, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Amazon Web Services, which for anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't know, is the, the hosting company that powers something like 40% of the yeah. internet, like, the, like, like Netflix and the CIA. Yeah. My wife worked there for like six years. This company makes something like $5 billion in profit a quarter, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, so the point is, massively successful company with tons of resources, their YouTube videos get literally, like, 700 views. Because they're boring. Yeah. They're terrible. And it is such a missed opportunity to me. So I always say, like, Andy Jassy, if you're listening, he's the CEO of AWS, you should pay me literally a million dollars to fix your YouTube channel because <laughs> it will pay back a hundred times over. They should yeah. be setting the tone of conversation for the entire cloud computing industry, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what better place to do that from YouTube. But in order to make that work, and obviously they know everything there is to know about this, like, you know, this, this vertical, but mm -hmm. what they haven't done is put that together into content that's compelling. And the production is great, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, it looks beautiful, looks way better than any of my videos, yeah. but the people in the videos are not the right people to do it because it's these like, you know, solutions architects and stuff like that who, yeah. you know, super knowledgeable people, yeah. but the content is terrible. It's not YouTube native content and people are realizing the same thing, you know, especially like in B2B, they're like, oh, we're, we're realizing five years later that actually TikTok is like a valuable marketing channel, but how do we do it? Because none of us know how to make TikToks. Well, that's where the people, this role that you're talking about is going to start to be a thing is going to be people who understand the subject matter well enough to be able to create content about it, who just happen yeah. to be really good creators. Yeah. Or good creators who are interested enough in the subject matter. To yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's like a really good, I think a good way of tackling this for anybody who's listening to it, um, a good way to sort of approach this, I think, is to be um, the engaged learner. So that's mm -hmm. how you can be like in the content, even if you're not a subject matter expert, yeah. because you shouldn't try to fake it. That's a terrible idea because it will be super obvious. But you can be the engaged learner and maybe, you know, 
bring it out from the subject matter expert or say, hey, here's what I learned. You like, listen, like, for example, I don't really know anything about like lawn care. Um, it's the first time I've lived in a house my entire life with like a lawn. Um, but I could make some cool content about lawn care because I'd be, I would just tell that exact story and be like, listen, guys, I don't know shit about lawns and I bet a lot of you guys don't either. So yeah. how about you're going to ride along while you watch me learn about lawn care and hopefully tell you something along the way? Yeah. No, and if you want to uh, engage learner, another uh, kind of identity you can take is the reporter identity, I suppose, uh, which is it's kind of the same thing. Um, and like if you want an example of that, this is exactly what I do for the creator economy. Um, I'm not big enough. I'm not Mr. Beast, right? So if Mr. Beast were to make a podcast about being a creator, everyone would be there to be like, you tell me what you know. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I don't care about you interviewing Tim McKenzie. Yeah. Tim McKenzie. Uh, right. Like, you know, like you tell me what you know, whereas I'm, I'm just, I'm not known like that. I do like, we do pretty decent revenue for like how small we are only because I have the business background. Yeah. Uh, right. But, but like, we're not big enough, you know, and that's, I have a little authority there, but not a lot, you know, but, and, and I have the perspective of somebody who comes from the business side of this, right. Who can say like, here's what we're looking for in creators. Um, but I'm not big enough that, you know, so I have to take on a different identity and talk to people who know more than me and, and can give more, the, more insights. Um, yeah, I like that. I would, so I would be interested. You don't have to give me numbers or anything like, you know, yeah. how much, uh, but I would be interesting if you were to, and you can ballpark it. If you were to draw like a circle chart of what your income, uh, the, the different types of income yeah. you make as a creator, uh, what do you think it would look like roughly? Uh, well, I actually posted a chart of it on my LinkedIn. If anyone wants to go look, um, it was a while ago, maybe a year ago or so. So you okay. might have to dig a little bit. Um, yeah. And this is going to be off the top of my head. I might be a little bit wrong, but I would say it's around um, probably around 50 or 60 percent AdSense mm -hmm. um, and maybe 20 percent brand deals. Um, and then the other, um, 30% ish, you know, 15, you know, 20 to 30% ish is a mix of Patreon merch and, um, like podcast revenue. Cause I, I podcast, get like, like sponsors. Programmatic or, uh, yeah. Direct. Yeah. Okay. Programmatic. Okay. Yeah. Programmatic exactly. Meaning like that's, that's podcast version of AdSense. Exactly. Um, exactly. Which, Side note, I mean, we're pretty deep in the deep end at this point of the podcast, and I probably yeah. clip this. Side note, uh, programmatic on the podcast channels is, like, good. Like, for me, far better than YouTube uh, AdSense. Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it probably is for me, too. It's just, yeah. like, the downloads I get are so tiny it's compared smaller. to YouTube, you know, smaller but on a numbers, CPM basis, yeah. 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 I think audio audio-only podcasts, in my opinion, are completely shot, and it's, like like bizarre to me that there are still people that start audio only podcasts. Nobody should do that. If you're not making video podcasts, unless you're like already famous, um, even then, like there is no reason to do an audio only podcast in 2023. You should not be starting an audio only podcast. No, no. I no. mean, if you're already uh, a legacy, I mean, even Tim Ferriss is going to video now, but if you were Tim Ferriss, you could keep it audio only. Yeah. Still right. Lots of audio only listeners. That's mostly how I can. Sure. It. And that's fine, but definitely you should be, I mean, you should be implementing video into it because you're talking about a whole nother channel in YouTube and potentially in Twitter. And TikTok. And TikTok that is going to like give you more, more reach. Um, if you were to add your job 
to that circle chart, how much percentage would it, it take up? Uh, I probably last year, I think I probably made around one and a half times more from YouTube than I did from my okay. job. So that would be, and you said what percent was from YouTube, like 60? Oh, like from AdSense? Yeah. Oh, so sorry. I'm including all of that stuff combined. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. your job would almost be the biggest portion. Your job in AdSense are sort of the biggest portion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah rough, roughly equal, I would say. So that, that's the thing. I get that you're saying, you know, your, your point was like, hey, look, you don't need to go diversify. Yeah, but I, but, but I could make, if I had nothing but AdSense, I would, could easily support our family on that. Yep. And if you had nothing but your job, you could support your family. Yes. And if you had nothing but the other things, it'd yes. be tighter, but you could do it. Now, so, the downside so of that... Diversified. Yes, the downside of that downside. Well, f yes. However, keep in mind, I've been doing all this shit for twenty five years. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I can do things not to like toot my own horn, but it's the same thing as anyone else has been doing it that like anything that long. I can do things in half an hour that might take somebody who's newer like a day to do. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. operating at a level of efficiency, and I, I don't mean to like you know, blow smoke up my own ass, but I'm operating in a level of efficiency that other people can't necessarily expect. So that's part of it. Um, the other part is that I work really fucking hard. Like, I mean, on Monday I woke up at five and I worked until 9 PM, you know, mm -hmm. and I did nothing. I had no leisure or downtime or break or anything like that. I don't do that every day, but sometimes I do. I work seven days a week. I like maybe take two complete days off a year. Maybe, you know, yeah. like when we had our kid, I took, I, I didn't even take a full week off. I was taking calls and stuff like that, you know, that first week. So I really only took three, three full days off when we were in the hospital. Um, and I'm not saying everyone should do this or anything like that. I'm just saying like, if you want to have like my full-time job is like demanding and hard mm -hmm. and YouTube is also demanding and hard. And so I'm willing to sacrifice this because my point of view is like, I have the opportunity right now to make more money than I ever dreamed I possibly could. And my point of view is like, I am not going to let this fucking get away from me just because I would rather chill and play video games on a Saturday. Not fucking happening. Cause I grew up poor. Like my wife did too. And both of us like are deeply grateful for the opportunity to have a little bit of money. So I'm going to ride this shit until the wheels fall off. And if that means I don't get to like chill for a few years, fine. Yeah. I love that. I think that, I mean, that's, that is the side that that's a, like the, I always try and look for in any interview is like, what's the stuff that like people don't know about it, right? Like what's the yeah. behind the scene thing? Cause, cause everybody says like, Oh, just make good titles and thumbnails or make the, like a lot of people say the same things or a lot of people say some version of hustle. I take really calls hard. from my business partners at 6am on Sunday. That's it. Like a lot of people you know? say hustle really hard, but like, what does hustle really hard look like? You yeah. took two days off last year or whenever when you had a kid right like yeah you're working that those kind of hours like you're basically treating youtube like a full-time job and your full-time job like yeah. a full-time job it's uh, fucking hard it's exhausting yeah. and it burns me the fuck out it's terrible for my mental health but i'm willing yeah. to make that sacrifice now because i see my retirement accounts stack up and i was behind mm -hmm. you know like i was a little bit scared and finally i am getting ahead i'm like okay mm -hmm. every month that i do this yeah this is fucking hard but every month that I do this, I breathe a little bit easier about what's going to happen in 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, lo I love it when people lay out, like, here's what I mean when I say hustle hard. And, yeah. and that's great. So um, I wanted to, do you think uh, that actually led me to another question? 
because I, I kind of have one more we can wrap up. But sure. But what you just said made me think of something. Um, I mean, you're definitely someone who is doing this, seeing yourself more as a media company, um, but you've also tied your personal brand to it. Yeah. So you can't really pass it on. You know, you're not like, uh, you know, Think Media or even the Try Guys. Right. The Try Guys kind of are personalities, but they can bring other people in. Yeah. Um, at some point, are you just going to kind of drop the mic on YouTube and be like, that's it, I'm done, made what I need to make or got what I need to get out yeah. of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, okay. It's... You know, people agonize a lot about the, you know, the founder trap. People do this like in, in business too. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I don't want to, you know, be in the ads because then if we want to sell the company, then, you know, then we won't sell it without me. And it's like, okay, but if you don't appear in the ads and if you aren't like a, a vital founder, you're never going to have anything worth selling. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and by the way, here's what's going to happen is you're just going to have to do what you did. You're going to have to be there for two years and earn, do an earn out. And then you're, and then you're done. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know that anybody would want to like buy my YouTube channel. Um, but they certainly could. I mean, it's just cash flows. That's all they're buying. You know, right. it's like, it's not, it's very forecastable. Like if someone, you know, we could do a DCF of the next two years of cash flows and come up with a number. I mean, that, yeah. they're just buying cash flows. That's not hard to do. Right. And I mean, even if you didn't even make any videos, it would cash Yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, here's the next two years of cash flows. If I didn't make any videos, let's put a discount on that. And here's the number. Like, if anyone yeah. wants to buy it, we could do that. Yeah. If it not, still be done. Well, then you, could even, you could even do a slow, like, earn where you said, oh, for the next six totally. months, I'll make a video every week, then two weeks, right. then one month. And yeah. And then maybe totally. try and wedge someone else in there if we want, but we don't have and if it, to. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It could be done. And if not, mm -hmm. well, that's cool too. I could just stop making videos and it's still going to throw off thousands of dollars in cash for at least a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I think you're right. People get to like, I, I mean, they're told to think, think about the, start with the end in mind and yeah. I get it. Right. But it reminds me of so uh, my myself and my co-host for our sports podcast used to have a band, and uh, we got sort of locally popular, uh, and we had this mashup. Uh, this is back in the days of the of the mashup, <laughs> right? Of the mashup, yeah. Uh, and I think it was like Sean Kingston and the beat and the Beatles, you know, uh -huh. or something like that. Like it was like a hip hop Beatles mashup. And we were talking once, and it was a banger. Like, people, every time we played that one, that was everybody's, like, highlight. I was like, yeah. you either open with that one or close with that one, right? Um, and and we have some original stuff, but, like, you know, if it, if it were shut up and play the hits, people were coming for the match. Sure. Um, and I remember at one time we were like, well, like, that's not our song. We don't have rights to that. Like, could we even be playing that? And my dad, who's also a musician his whole life, he's okay. in his 60s now. He's been a musician his whole life. And he was like, I'll tell you what, boys, if uh, if Paul McCartney comes after you uh, for damages on that song, that's how you'll know you've made it. Like, yes. you, can, you can cross that bridge when you get to it, you know? Exactly. Um, you're worrying about future, you're crossing future bridges that you're not even going to get to if you don't exactly. do the thing that you're worried about, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that happens with creators putting a personal brand on it. Look, yeah, I like what you said. It's like, look, if I need to just drop the mic on this, I can. Uh, last question. I like to always wrap up with this. Who are some of your favorite creators that, that you're, uh, watching or consuming content from right now? And, and what, it, what do you like about them? Uh, let's see. One of my favorite people that I watch 
almost every day is a channel called Renaissance Periodization, which is like a fitness channel. He's like a like a PhD exercise scientist, so he you know breaks down you know fitness stuff in a very scientific way. Uh, really like him a lot. Um, I also really like a channel called Flow Grappling, which is like basically jujitsu stuff. Um, I watch that a lot. They have a lot of like really good documentaries that sort of, you know, just do a, an excellent job. Of, it kind of reminds me of like NFL films, you know, because mm -hmm. they do such a good job of like building the stakes and telling the stories of the players. And so it makes you really care about the next game. Um, and Flow Grappling does the same thing with jujitsu people. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, those are probably my two favorites right now. Let me see. You're, you're in your fitness chapter. I mean, I have been my whole life, really. <laughs> That's I good. Mean, That's good. Yeah. I've been I doing jujitsu on and off, you know, since like 1999, I think. So right before it was um, cool. Yeah, back when it was like a very. I mean, not it like was, ooh, before it was cool. But like it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was, like it was hard. The yeah, basically. Yeah, it was. It was hard to find. I love. Yeah. Um, also, a really big fan of uh, Graham Stephan of the Ice Coffee Hour. Uh, I love mm. their podcast. I love the Ice Coffee Hour. I love it's uh, Lewis Howes, right, and Graham Stephan. Uh, it's Graham Stephan, and I forget the co-host name. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, no, co-host. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Other guy. Yeah, I, um, no. Lewis Howes is the School of Greatness. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, Ice Coffee Hour is just Graham and his his buddy. Um, basically, it's a lot of creators. You know, they've had everyone from like Amaranth to Ben Shapiro on, just talking about their yeah. business. And I'm always surprised. Well, I shouldn't be surprised, but they have these people on, and without exception, for example, like Amaranth. Did you know who she is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so people might think because she does these hot tub streams or whatever that she's like a bimbo. I've never watched one of her streams. I just knew who she was, but they had her on, and I was like, "Damn, she's not fucking stupid." There's not a, it's, no. this is no accident that she is who she is, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I just always find it really like energizing to uh, to to you know hear from creators who are just smart about their business, right? Yeah, so they 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 really cover like the business side of the creator. Yeah, uh, another and, and another businesses too, not just creators. Yeah, another channel I really love is a guy named Peter Santanello that does. I guess you would call it like anthropology. So he just travels to, you know, for example, he just recently was in Appalachia. In um, it was uh, I think in Virginia, I think. And so he'll spend like a couple weeks there and put out these like hour long. He'll do maybe like 10 hour long sort of interview slash ethnography things with someone just talking about life in, mm -hmm. you know, these various places. And, you know, to me, the essence of marketing, you know, and getting back to what we've talked about earlier is just sort of like it's at the end of the day, it's about understanding people, like understanding what they believe and why they believe it. Like that's mm -hmm. that's the essence of our job. You know, and so I really like a lot of this. Um, I, I like a lot of travel and anthropology stuff for that reason, because I just really like to understand how people think. Yeah. Dan, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you. You want to give the little, you know, where, where can we find you if you're into if you're into punk rock? <laughs> well, if you made it this far. Yeah. Then you probably already know who I am or you just fell asleep. Um, but you can just uh, you can just search for me, Finn McKenty, you know, and you'll find me everywhere there is to find me. Yeah. Great. Appreciate you being on the show. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. 
We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 